You know, I think Bill listens to this podcast. Oh, he does? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, yeah. <laughs> we. Um, well, Bill knows what he did. <laughs> Bill knows what he did. Yep. <laughs> he knows who he is and he knows yeah. what he did. I just it, don't know if we're going to be while, able to use but... the Bill material. That's all I'm saying. Uh, oh, really? Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I work in eastern Massachusetts and my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. And this podcast is meant to be a library of information for people who are contemplating a renovation and are in the planning stages or just want to learn everything they can before they embark upon the process. So I hope it's useful. And today we have an episode of our Learning from Mistakes of Others series. I hope you hear something that you didn't already know. Will, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. So as you know, this is an episode of Learning from the Mistakes of Others. And my intention isn't to make fun of people, but just to um, kind of tell cautionary tales so people don't have to make the same mistakes other people already had to learn the hard way, trying to make it right. easier for people. So you are a project manager at a construction company on Martha's Vineyard. That's true. So I would guess that you have seen your share of things that didn't go well. Um, I have. And some of it started before I started working for the construction company here on the vineyard. Mm-hmm. I think who I'm talking to right now is is generally people who are homeowners who are trying to affect a renovation in their house or or build right. a I guess build a small house or scheduling is um well you're actually talking huh. to me but people might be listening who are as you described right so I mean as opposed to I'm I'm not talking to a bunch of builders necessarily I'm talking to maybe homeowners who are trying yeah, to get right. a project done so I think one of the things that may be overlooked uh, is the importance of scheduling. And there's a, um, you know, uh, I, I found that subcontractors and even contractors will say, I'm going to build your addition. It's going to cost $500,000 and they, and they're going to, they'll, they'll list a bunch of features that are going to go into it, or it's according to these plans dated this day and, um, and that kind of thing. But they don't necessarily say, we're going to have it done in eight weeks or we can finish it by, Ju by July 1st or uh, the, so the schedule is often a little bit vague. So hitting, getting a fixed price, I think is a good idea because everybody knows what's going on and then agreeing on a schedule after, you know, if you're working with a builder, getting a, a schedule from that builder. Uh, and if you're not dealing with a, a builder and you're just trying to get, um, you're doing a, I don't know, a bathroom renovation or a kitchen renovation and you're dealing with a carpenter and a plumber and an electrician and some drywall guys and the uh, insulation guys. It's important to, once you get your, your bids or proposals for each one of those subs to determine the schedule for each one of those subs. How long is it going to take you to finish installing the countertops? I need a week. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's why I pretty much don't recommend people being their own general contractor because that's pretty complicated scheduling. It is. It is. I mean, that's why having, you hire. Having the relationships with a, 
yeah, that's why I hire people. And that's why you pay them the overhead. A lot of people ask me, you know, why do they, why should they get any money for the plumber's work? Well, because it takes a lot of time and effort to coordinate everybody and they're responsible for the plumber's work in the end, you know? Right. And that's the reason to have the scheduling is a big part of my job. And I I find that the more specific I can be about the schedule, I mean, I, I don't necessarily hit the schedule every time, but if I can at least create a schedule from which to deviate, that uh, is 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 better all the way around. And one of the things that we do, and it sounds uh, you can do all this digitally, but we would grab, uh, we would go down to Staples and buy a, those desk blotters that have one month on each page, you know, and you can rip off the page oh, and here comes March and then you rip off another that's page. It's very old school, I Will. Know, I know. It's very analog. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like Trello or some thing. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Go to Staples, buy a calendar. Yeah, you buy a calendar and then you you know, you got a six month long project, say, and you put all those six months up on the wall and you get a pack of post-it notes that fit, that are the right size to fit in the dates, in the, in the squares for each day. Mm-hmm. And then you literally go through and um, you can scale this up digitally if you're doing it that way. But uh, for me, it's easier to do with post-it notes because you can move the post-it notes around as your schedule gets um, blown, sure. blown to pieces. And also you live on the vineyard, which is more like a hand handmade place. <laughs> right. You get chickens, chickens wandering around the living room and stuff and it's, uh, <laughs> exactly. it's a little down home. But uh, so if, if, for me, if I can see the whole schedule on the wall, I can be on the phone and talking to somebody and be like, okay, yeah, the 13th sounds good. And you can look at the schedule and see, oh, the tile guys are in there that day or the people doing the drywall aren't going to be done until the 22nd and then figure it out. And one of the things about building the schedule is if a, if a sub says that they need two weeks to get the plumbing done, that you give them some slush time. And if it's exterior work that you're talking about, you give them some weather time that you add a little slush time to each, each little phase of, of the schedule. So do you have any, uh, you know, anecdotes about things that went wrong because people did not follow a schedule or make a schedule? Well, I do. Yeah. I, um, early, early on in my career when I was not at all, uh, working in construction, I owned a house in Los Angeles and, my wife was pregnant um, with our first child, and uh, as you might want to do, uh, we when she became pregnant, we started. I started looking around and decided we didn't have enough room for a child in our house, or our house wasn't good enough, or I can't remember what the thought process was, but you can call it panic or whatever you want. But we decided we were going to renovate the entire upstairs of our house, which was a which was. Um, basically a bedroom and a bath. It was just a master suite upstairs, mm-hmm. but it was old and the house was built in the twenties and it wasn't, um, wasn't nice up there. Anyway, we decided we were going to renovate all that. And um, my wife's child was due in February and your child too. <laughs> of course. Of course, unless we want to have a public reveal of something. No, that child is definitely my child, and I will cop to that. And I think my wife would, Anyway, too. so, okay, so she was due in February. She was due in February, and in about, uh, I don't know, sometime at the end of the summer, we were like, we have, to, we have to gut the hole upstairs and start again. So we started that process. Okay, so we do, found a, Do you know how many people do that? I, I mean, I, I'm just going to say that's just when you find out you're pregnant is not the time to decide you need to do a project. That might be the best advice 
uh, that is revealed in this discussion. <laughs> is yeah. that it's just, even though that's like the impulse to nest and change your whole house? Just don't, don't, don't. Well, also because it, it, at some level it makes sense if you're a panicky parent or a, a parent to be. You know, you're like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, we're going to have a a baby in the house and then that baby's going to mm-hmm. turn into a toddler and we're never going to have a chance to do this renovation whatever it is you know for years it might take you know whatever so at, at some point it makes sense if you're pregnant and it 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 might make sense to you to just gut your whole upstairs or gut your whole downstairs or whatever it is right. um so i decided that was a great idea and we got a we got a contractor in LA who uh, was, I don't know what his deal was, but he, uh, one of his side hustles was he owned a, a house, a piece of real estate in Los Angeles. And he would take people who were just coming out of jail <laughs> and, oh, okay. and let them live <laughs> in that house. And they would, nice. and they would go and be his labor. He was, that, ah. I didn't find this out until we were like, in the middle of the project. Well, I mean, to be fair, there are people who need a job when they and a place to live when they get out of jail. So on so far, it seems like maybe that was a nice program. Yeah, that's great. And I, um, you know, when I found out about it, I was like, oh, that's great. But they didn't do anything on time and they did, they were flaky and they wouldn't show up for days. And then they, you know, and the contractor was never around. And you could get a hold of them. Anyway, that was a whole other nightmare. But my only point was the schedule was never really established. I did say, Hey, look, um, uh, my wife's having a baby in February sometime. So let's call the deadline Christmas. You guys got to be out of there by Christmas. And they're like, Oh yeah, this isn't going to take that long at all. I mean, we're just, we're just putting up a new wall and we're putting up some drywall and there's some tiling in the bathroom and putting out some carpet and redoing you know, reflooring the stairs and it's not a big, it's not a big deal. We should be out of there whatever sometime in November. I'm like, great. Just as long as it's before Christmas, we're good. Great. And then we go along and that, uh, that project had, that was sort of my first foray into home renovation and I handled it myself, I guess I handled it. I thought I was handling it with a seasoned contractor, but he was not very good at his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was panicky enough with the child coming and, uh, anyway, it, it added, um, a whole bunch of stress to my plate that I didn't need. And, um, mm, I think yeah, that's true too. I think we had a fixed price. I think we had a fixed price on that, but the problem was the schedule. And so new year's came around and, uh, they were close, but I remember standing there with a contractor going, you guys got to get out of here. And then it was the end of January and he didn't actually, I mean, I don't think he ever actually finished, finished, you know, I think I'd put up some trim and did some stuff at the end there that he still had left to do. But, uh, it was because we didn't have a hard schedule and I don't think he had any schedule at all. He'd just send his guys over there to keep working and, Anyway, that was, uh, that had all kinds of things go sideways, but I think the main thing for me was the schedule. And he didn't ever finish before. I don't think he ever, he he never finished and I just paid him whatever it was and got him out of there because uh, here comes the baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is totally understandable impulse, but it's a risky time to take on a new project, especially if you start thinking about it after you find out that you're pregnant, but really then you only have about eight months or so to finish the whole thing. Right. And, and plan it and finish it and find a contractor and everything. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I also think, I mean, along those lines, and this wasn't one of the points I was going to talk about, but the more you plan, the smoother the production part goes. Right. I, I think. Right. Absolutely. And absolutely, yeah. And if you say something like, you know, you well, we bought a summer house and we want to start building we're gonna start building in January so we can be in there by the fourth of July. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Like maybe you can pull I that, mean maybe you can pull that off, but you better start planning at the previous January. Well, also it, you may be able to pull that off if everything is completely planned before you start. Right. Right? Because it you don't have a lot of time. It does take way, way longer to, as you say, like kind of prep prep just make all of the changes as as the ship's going turning turning the ship a little bit it takes way longer it just bogs things down so and it has a and it has a cumulative effect on your you know on your subs and the schedule and if it you know if you manage to yep. make a change that doesn't that doesn't cost a lot more it can still really adversely affect your schedule which costs money yep uh in and of itself so Hey, let's go back to that contractor. I want to know how you found him. Um, he was he was recommended to us by somebody else who had a much smaller project and sort of got it done. Uh, it, it one of our friends had used this guy, and um, he had done he had done something small and mm. got away with it. I guess. Well, but people like have different comfort levels and experience. So yeah, he rebuilt. Um, they he did the tile three times in our bathroom. Like, did all the tile, mm. and then pulled it all out, and then nice. did the tile uh, just because it was like not it was, it was not square and not you know tile's pretty finicky, <laughs> and if it it turns out you kind of need to have some experience with a tile. Man, there's a couple things that I wouldn't do uh, as a just a I'm a I am fairly handy do it yourselfer type, but uh, drywall and tiling are not for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's worth paying somebody who knows how to tile. People who know how to tile really know a lot of of things to keep themselves out of trouble while they're tiling, and it's so yeah. it's so permanent and so difficult to undo. I was doing, trying to do stuff in an uh, economical sort of way here at my house. And I hired the assistant of, to the plaster to tile my bathroom. Oof. Yeah. It turned out, turned out that was something I think about every single day. I would have totally forgotten that guy. I'm sure I would not remember him 12 <laughs> years later, but I think about him every day. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're in your bathroom, you spend more time in your bathroom than you ever imagine. And you, you know, maybe, maybe you find yourself getting out of the shower and looking at the same hunk of tile yeah. that's wrong every single day. Right. And you're like, damn that. Every tile. day. Yeah. yeah. Every day. Like the tile that's not flat in the shower. Like why? Yeah. There's one that's just a little, a little out of, yeah. out of whack or that's, yeah. Yeah. The one little. And then you have the tile lines not lining up with other important lines yep. that, yep. Like, why would you do it that way? Yep. Or just a whole bunch of things. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That's another lesson. Just pay for someone who knows how to install tile. Yeah. If the stuff's complicated and finicky, the more complicated and finicky it is, the more experience you want your sub to have. I think. Right. Right. Um, Makes sense. <clears throat> uh, and that, that probably brings me to my next point, which is the, the farther away from normal construction you veer, the more expensive it gets. And we had a client here on the vineyard who uh, 
was building a very modern house. And one of the features they wanted was um, a reglet. You're familiar with that term? For, uh, the it's a floating. Reglet. It's a. They were going with no baseboards, right? They had plaster walls. Oh, and they wanted. Is that what it's called? Or it's just a little reveal at the bottom. A little reveal at the bottom. So the wall comes down and then it it ends basically in a square. You know, it's squared off and it ends. It's a little reveal and it goes in and there's a little shadow line where the wall ends and the floor. Yeah, that's not easy to do. Start. So you could put like, you could slide a sugar cube into that little slot around all the way around where the baseboard would be. <laughs> sure, you could, but. I mean, I don't know why you why, would. Why would you? I'm just saying that's how big the slot is. <laughs> if you I know, picture. I hear you. Okay. We had, I was working, for, I'm working for a guy who was a builder and he had not done that before, but he's a diligent guy. So we, we researched it a lot and figured out they have, there's a, there's some companies that build um, or that, that produce uh, um, extruded aluminum pieces to create the corner at the bottom of the drywall or at the bottom of the plaster to create that gap and make it even. Right. And it's yeah, sort of, it has to be even. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like an angle, angle shaped and it, you know, you get, you get 10 foot lengths of it or whatever, and it goes in there and it gets attached to the studs behind the drywall and then it mm -hmm. creates a little lip for the drywall or the plaster to come down and sit on the on the little ledge right, right. and um and so we priced that out and that's fine and what it's going to take and then we talked to our plaster guy about it. he's like oh yeah that stuff that's a nightmare and like okay well why is it a nightmare well the wall's got to be totally flat and if the studs are at all out of plane then it makes the it it makes that line on the reglet uh wonky and appear to be out of not flat and straight and then we talked to the flooring guys like oh yeah that's a nightmare because if the floor's got any up and down to it any heave to it at all then it also makes that gap look not straight and so you gotta you gotta you know you might have to shim stuff depending on whether you're doing a renovation or new construction but you know, even new construction, the, the quality of the studs you get, you don't get a stud that's straight square ever. Um, and so, you know, with things like baseboard or trim, you have, you ha uh, you can cover a lot of those uh, imperfections that. Right. That's the whole idea of a baseboard. Right. Really? Right. Yeah. That's the whole idea of the baseboard is that the plasterer can come in and just plaster down to the floor and the flooring guy can come in and floor up to the studs and then somebody comes in behind them and puts the trim, the baseboard up and it looks nice and the painters come in and everything looks nice and squared away. But as soon as you take that baseboard away, then everybody's got to try really hard to make that gap look right. Right. And they have to know that they have to try hard to make that gap yes. look right. And if you've never right. done it before and you're just a flooring guy and you've never dealt with that before, then either you no, see it true. as a pitfall or you don't, or if you see it as a pitfall or you do have experience with it as a flooring guy, you're going to add that much more money to it so that you can take that much more time to make it right the first time so you don't have to get called back and redo something. And Anyway, we found on that project that every single sub we talked to, as soon as we mentioned that we wanted to put that reglet in there, it, um, it bumped up their pricing, not exponentially, but... You know, you go from yeah. something something's going to cost three thousand dollars now costs forty two hundred dollars, and 
that's just the plaster guy. And then here comes the flooring guy. And the, the framer was, you know, even the guy framing the walls was nutted up about that concept because he's got to put all his stuff in the frame. I mean, in plain. And um, anyway, so. <clears throat> there's but I also want to say that that means you do have to coordinate between all the subs, which is another reason to have someone taking care of the whole project for you, because as a homeowner, you might not think to mention it to the framer. Right. That you want to do this reveal on the bottom. You know, I'm just saying. Right. Oh, yeah. It's you a, might not a, even know that at all. And you're just looking through. I don't know if you're if you're just a uh, an amateur home builder, you might be looking through uh, Pinterest or something and say, oh, look at that. It looks really cool. And I can have that. Um, and you might you not know. know that you're adding thousands of dollars to your your budget because of. Right. I mean, it's fine. You can still have it, but it's good to know that it's going to cost an extra. Yeah. However much. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that there's things like what in our, we, we um, built our own house here on, on the vineyard. And that was after I had some, some years of experience managing construction projects. And one of the things we wanted here on our, on our house was um, no trim around the windows on the interior. And then we wanted the drywall to come and just do a return into the window. And so we'd have, um, it's a sort of a more contemporary look. You have a windowsill and then the drywall just makes the turn and dead ends into the window. And we thought that would be cool. And it looks beautiful. Um, and I thought I was going to save a nickel on trim. I thought that oh, like mm. now I don't have to trim those and I don't have to either do it myself or pay somebody to paint that stuff. And might realize some savings and have this more clean contemporary look, but it turns out that the drywall guys uh, were beside themselves about it. They, they, um, they added a fair amount of money to, to that, uh, to accomplish that. And then even, even then we got halfway through the, uh, we got to the last bit of the, the drywall process and that sub came up to me and was like, hey, man, if we can just get another $1,000, like I can, I'm just losing my shirt on this thing. And this, I, you know, I didn't have any idea this was going to take us this long. And uh, if we could just have another $1,000, that would really make it okay. And I was like, I can't help you, man. I mean, you, he had a fixed price. He had given me a fixed price. It was <clears throat> more expensive than uh, sort of what an average square foot price would be for plaster or for drywall in this case. Um, but he, he, he underestimated what it would take. Um, mm. and so that was an uncomfortable conversation to have. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, I would say use caution. If you've got, if you've got the money, uh, you can get whatever you want, but everybody's got a budget. If you're spending $5 million on your house, it's, it's still a budget and uh, just careful what you order up. Mm. No, it's true. Cause that, it seems like those details, like you're talking about seem really like they're more simple, but they are far harder to accomplish. Right. Right. Like, so I will say, right, I will so. say it looks great. I think it looks great. And it, um, it looks just like I imagined, but, um, hmm. but it cost me more and it cost the, the plaster, the drywall guy more in the end. Yeah. Yeah, well, that also kind of speaks to the idea of hiring people who have experience doing what it is you want them to do. Yeah, I I listened to one of your other podcasts and somebody said, don't go with the lowest bidder. And I think mm -hmm. that is a great idea. 
You, uh, you know, it's so tempting though to go for the lowest bidder. Man, I see why people do it, but it's it can be. It's it never. I don't think it ever turns out the way people think it will. I think a lot of it's sort of if you if you talk to people and you get a feeling about them, like wow, this guy really knows what he's doing, and the price is he's in the middle, but or she's in the middle, but uh, more expensive than the low guy. But you just feel better about it, like they have more competency, or they just in general know. Oh, don't go with the lowest bidder. I think that's good advice. Yeah. And don't go with your I, don't I, go with your you know your little sister's boyfriend who's a drywall guy. Right. You know. Well, that I mean, that if he is a drywall guy, he, it could be he could be good just because he's going out with your sister. Right. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't mean anything. But do not hire the guy who's helping the guy do a different trade to do a tra- like I did. Right. Don't hire yes. your drywall guy's assistant to do your tile. Yeah, because if he wanted to be a tiler, he would be assistant to the tile guy. Right. Right. That, right. That's right. right. Anybody who knows what they're doing on the building end, if you have a contractor, for instance, and you bring a change order to them, it's not just the cost of the change that you're doing. You know, say you want to add a window to this area. You want to add a window that wasn't on the window schedule originally. Well, the window the window costs eighteen hundred bucks itself, and then there's another five hundred dollars to put it in. But then a contractor who knows what he's doing also builds into that change order the cost of you know it. Maybe it extends the extends the, his schedule by. Uh, some period of time, a half a day, but also he has to put in the dumpster that's sitting out front and the porta potty and the the extra cost that for all of his overhead, all the all of the overhead gets loaded into that change order as a percentage. So that if your original if your original overhead is you know fifteen percent of your budget is the dumpster and the porta potty and the site protection and the dump fees and all that stuff, then whatever change order you do, you're adding 15% onto that for that, for that, um, for that over, for that overhead. So it has a lot of hidden costs to it that, um, you know, it seems like, well, I'm just adding a $1,500 window or an $1,800 window or whatever, but it might be, um, Anyway, it, it, there's a lot stacked on top of it. There, I grew up with this general feeling like the building the inspector is going to come and shut this whole thing down. I know, but which is it's so not true. It's, it's really not, not true, true at all. The building inspector is our friend. The building inspector is your friend and can really help you out. And if you have that rapport, then when the building inspector comes for your framing inspection, for instance, you can be like, you know hey donna really good to see you again oh here's what you did all right great and then you know and all right well we'll we'll see you on the next one and then they they come in and they're your friend and you know maybe not your friend but they know what you're up to and they know what you're what you were hoping to do and maybe you're starting to do something a little a little quirky but they know they're not a policeman I think if you hide stuff from the building inspector, it's not like it's ever going to go away. They are eventually going to find out that you expanded your footprint without getting a permit and it's never going to go away and never just doesn't. Right. And then God forbid you have to run your plans past a committee or a design review committee or some other committee. You got to get your, 
the, you know, conservation committee or something, they have, then they hear that there are previous violations on their, you know, yeah, that uh, it just, yeah, it just comes back to home. And if you do that a time. few times and the building inspector knows you're trying to slip stuff past her all the time, yeah. then you're on the list. Definitely. So, and that's not a place you want to be. That's when the building inspector is not your friend. Yeah. You want to be on the good side of the building inspector because they can make it easy. Then they can yeah. also save you a ton of money saying, no, 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 you can't do that. But, you know, you can try to do something a little different and still get the same effect or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, build, building inspector is your friend. I'm, I'm all. Building and get a permit. So get a permit for any work that requires a permit. Yeah. And then the other thing is just a, as a project management 101 tip, a hot tip is to the people, there are people involved who can, who have the greatest influence or have the, the possibility of influencing your project the most, you should keep them informed as much as you can and as close as you can in the process. So like if you have a cranky neighbor who doesn't really like you doing you, you or doing <laughs> anything, it sounds counterintuitive, but you want to bring that person in early and go, Hey, uh, you know, Hey, Bill. <laughs> uh, not you the other bill <laughs> the other bill so like hey i'm thinking about putting an addition on this side of the house it's right up against your property line you know or whatever uh anyway if they have the if they have the wherewithal to shut down your thing or make your life difficult or slow your production at all then you should get their approval or bring them into the process as early as you can yeah, just tell them what's happening. Just Don't let them find happened. out so about it can, one morning. Yeah, because the surprises on Monday morning when the crane rolls in mm -hmm. uh, is is that's a tough one, you know, because they you can. Yeah, especially if it was that used to be like their sister's house. That's you know that's a, they have some kind of connection <laughs> to it, and they get upset. Right, right. Just try to bring people in if if you can involve those people, or if you know you have a a, a building inspector who's tough. You know, go to them early or go to her early and say, hey, we're going to do this and that. What do you think? And then they then yep. they feel like they're involved and they have a say in it, even if they don't actually have a say in it. It's always a good idea just to let your neighbors know what's happening. Yeah. And just if you to can, be neighborly. Yeah. Or bake a, bake a tray of brownies and bring them over or like a case of beer or, you know, whatever your. Whatever they like. Whatever their vice is, you know. Yeah, my neighbors did not tell me what they were doing, and um, I didn't like that either. I went down to the building department to see what they were up to. Right. Whereas I'll, if I'll uh, admit if, it. if they had come over and said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing that and this, and it's going to start in October," and at least you could be bent out of shape about it, but at least you know what was going on, and not be surprised by the cement truck rolling across your lawn, or you know, right, whatever. Well, in my case, I was pretty surprised about this full dormer on what seems like the fourth floor from where I'm sitting, but. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Tell your neighbors. All right. Yeah. Well, that's some good advice you got there, Will. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me, Catherine. This has been fun. I could talk to you. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Maybe you feel like we yeah. have. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time we could talk all day. So that's it for today. You know, over and over again, we hear about how planning is so important when you're about to embark upon such a complex and expensive undertaking as a home renovation. So I hope you got that takeaway from today's episode. And thanks so much to Will for joining me today. And thank you for listening. If you have anything you would like to 
uh, hear about, have me cover in future episodes, please send me an email at the housemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. And any questions or comments you might have are also welcome. And if you like the show, if you could leave a rating and a review on um, the where you ever get your podcast, that would help get my show on the um, higher up on the list of whatever list. I think it's a kind of a fake list, possibly, that I get sent um, every week about my standings in certain places that, um, you know, it's kind of irrelevant, but kind of fun to think that I could climb in those lists. So if you leave me a rating, that would help. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects. And that website is www.demiosarchitects.com. And I have a bunch of online events happening right now. We're doing, I'm doing a talking art series once a month. I've got a reading with architects book group that happens over Zoom. Also coffee chats, um, doing a design coaching accountability group. So if anybody's interested in that, check that out. And until next time, take care. Take care.